Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I've got my good buddy Craig Steele of Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters and Rocksteady on the line. Craig, how you doing? Good. How you doing, buddy? Good. It sounds like you've been with Predator Exclusives hunting a bunch over the last couple weeks. How is the Predator hunting going? It's actually been going pretty slow. Tell me, Um, why? Probably the... I, I have theories. I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any exact. Uh, you know, uh, I'm yeah. not gonna say this is f- factual. This is all my theory from doing it for a long time. And Craig Steele hearsay. Do, yeah. So my theory is is there's not as many coyotes as what there normally is um, this time of year, as far as uh, young of the year or. Um, one-year-old, six-month-old coyotes because of the uh, drought we had this uh, summer. I think uh, our litter sizes were down, and I also think we might have had some parvo outbreak or something like that. Um, and I think also think that there, prior to this latest storm, that there was probably some uh, biological and psychological things going on with these uh, coyotes and predators, just like all the other animals that were trying to survive this prolonged drought that we've been having. And I just think their response zones were shortened up. Okay. Um, So in other words, let me recap that you're saying that when it's really dry, like deer and like elk and other animals, potentially the females don't cycle as much because they know that they can't support their young. 
uh, in a drought condition. So the same thing goes, which I never really thought about. You're you're saying the same thing goes for coyotes and the fact that I, I think it might be different. I don't think it may be like they don't cycle um, per se, but I think maybe their survival rate of their pups is down um, because you know resources might be a little bit limited they're competing for you know water resources there's a lot of quail and rabbits so a lot more quail than i've seen in a long time so they they have you know the food sources but they were definitely competing over uh you know water sources so you know i i think i think there's something to play they say with coyotes that one they the female has something built in, so when they when the, when a pair or a group will howl and they don't get any responses, they say their body goes into some sort of produces some sort of chemical reaction to where the litter size will be bigger. Um, so, in my peaty little redneck brain, I, I, I would have to believe that um, same would go during when same would happen something similar would happen if resources were limited like they were this summer um to where you know maybe some of the pups that would have survived um you know didn't and maybe perhaps that you know a neighboring uh pair or family group was a little bit more aggressive and killed some of the younger pups as they dispersed out and that was happening back and forth now this is all just Craig Steele theory it has nothing to, it's nothing factual there. there's no science um, behind it yeah there's no science but just me me thinking because I mean I I had a lot of days where it was just it was rough um should have been good days so um, you're still killing them but you're just not seeing the numbers like what you have yeah I mean I, I had I had two or three days where I didn't call it a coyote and with good weather you know that will happen when you get you know high pressure warm temperatures it's blowing you know, 30, 40 miles an hour, that's going to happen. Um, but when you have, you know, a, a four to 10 mile an hour wind and you've been doing as long as I've, I've done it in the country that I know, um, there's no way I shouldn't be able to produce a coyote in, in 10 to 15 stands. Um, you know, what about um, your so bobcat hunting? How has it been? We have not called in a bobcat this season. Why? Um, I, Same I think, type of stuff. Somewhat, somewhat. I can say for me, I haven't been really targeting them. And I think you increase your odds just by going with a different mindset uh, because they, they do, their their country does overlap, but um, obviously they uh, they overlap, but uh, you, you just go within a different calling mindset. Um, but I, I think maybe perhaps the same thing goes for them. Maybe their numbers are down, you know? Um I can't say, and maybe it's, maybe it's responses, maybe, you know, body weights down. Um, maybe there's a biological effect going in there where they're, they're not responding quite as far, you know? Um, the one thing I get with a lot of hunters is they always want to say, well, the, you know, when it's windy, they can't hear that call or when, when, uh, uh, you know, or, or they're not hearing the call, the call's not loud enough, even when it's not windy. Um, or how far will they come? Uh, so many people totally forget that it's not necessarily that they can't hear it all the time. It's the response zones. You know, they're just like human beings and they're just like elk or turkey. 
if you sit up right on them, you have a lot better chance if you're undetected of calling them in versus if you set up two miles away and they're, you know, busy going through their coyote or bobcat day doing whatever it is. Maybe they have a kill. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're in their territory. There's a boundary there. So there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, misnomers when it comes to, you know, how far they can hear. And it's not just that they don't hear you, you know, it's just like a big bull elk, you know, you may cow call or bugle at them and he might be a mile away and you can hear him, but he's 99 got his cows or he's already, he's doing... not coming, right. you know, but if you, if you get in tight and, you know, he's sleeping during the middle of the day and give him a couple cow calls, you know, depending on his mood, you have a better chance of him coming, you know, same goes for Kyle's bobcats, you know, Fox, whatever, you know, the closer you can get undetected, the more, you know, the higher your odds get of calling them in. So, um, I think, I think their response zones might be just a little bit limited because of the conditions, you know, they're risking less and yeah, they got to eat meat. I also think a lot of coyotes are eating a lot of juniper berries, um, just like the deer and elk were. Um, they eat them in times when it's not drought. So um, why wouldn't they eat them, you know, in times of drought? So, you know, that's just some of my theories. I, you know, I could be totally wrong, but that's, I doubt you know, it. Where, where I'm at. So um, let's talk about this latest storm. How did, how much did you guys get around in your country and, and what are your thoughts? Um, we've got, you know, well, I'm just off the edge of elk country, but as soon as you start getting to elk country, they got, you know, anywhere from eight to, you know, all the way up to Flagstaff and like 24 inches or something like that. So a lot of snow, um, there had already been some previous storms, um, in, uh, late December and January that were just kind of, you know, two inch dustings, um, per se, and a little bit of rain, um, the ground I was up in. Uh, 10 the other day and uh, before the storm and there were some areas that were wet and there were some areas that weren't that wet so um, you know it was a good really good storm um, great timing we needed it um, now we're just gonna hope and pray for some more storms to continue to stack up to you know try to inch our way back out of this you know in your mind is your mindset different than it was say 10 days ago going into this application season with the storm that we did get does it change anything in your mind as to how this upcoming year would be or i'm definitely i mean i'm a little you're definitely a little bit more optimistic you know you as far as like initially um and then today or last night and this morning i've been on the climate prediction center just kidding okay because you know immediately after the storm started getting questions and i always tell guys that i've hunted with or want to hunt with us especially when they've got high point totals to always wait and i know everybody's like well what if the system crashes always wait until the last minute because this draw cycle for elk is too early it's too early to predict antler growth it's a crapshoot you know, um, it needs to be, if it, if, if the application deadline was April, it'd be perfect. We'd never miss, you know what I mean? Right. We, you'd be able to predict way better. Yeah. We, but right now we just can't, I know the elk are down in body weight. Um, you know, 
but they usually look like crap going into this, whether they have a hard rut or not a hard rut. Last year, they didn't really have a hard rut, but they look like crap. But looking at the climate prediction three-month outlook, it's showing a 50% chance of below average precipitation. It just came out on the January on January 21st from February for February, March, and April. So that's not good. Now, could they be wrong? Wrong. There, you know, there's a reason why it's 50%. So you're you know, saying they, there's a chance. Yeah. So you, you just don't know. If I was, I would just wait till last minute. If I was a if I was somebody that was a non-resident or resident with close or at max points, I would make sure I had my point guard and we wait till the very last day. Um, there's another storm it's supposed to come in Friday. It doesn't sound like it's that big. Um, what, what is today, Jay? Uh, the Thursday, January, so tomorrow. There's another what, storm January coming January 28th or something? Yeah, yeah January 28th. Um, so there's another storm supposed to come in on the 29th, and then I saw next week there's another one supposed to come in. But you know, I don't know the strength of uh, the following one. I know Friday's not supposed to be that big, but I would wait. You got till February 9th. Um, I'd put my app in February 8th or 9th. Um, see if see if it got any better. Um, and then if I did if I did apply, it, let's say we got another big storm next week, then if I had point guard, I'd apply for the Whatever tag that I wanted, you know, whether it be 10 early archery, 9 muzzleloader, you know, whatever tag you want to get with those max points and make sure you select point guard. If you don't have point guard, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a year you you. It's five dollars. If anybody needs to borrow five dollars, just have yeah. send me a message on Instagram. I'll loan them the five bucks. You know what I find? If you're find so that tight that you're not checking the box, then we've got issues. We have other issues we need to discuss. Jay, I saw somebody somebody a couple days ago post. Well, it might be a year you want a point guard. And it's like if you've got, you know, let's say ten to, you know, below max. Let's talk about L ten to max 18 points well max max it shouldn't even be a question right but you if know, you have over 10 more. points you should do point guard every year points, anyway spend the five bucks who cares if the game fish is making money on you or whatnot or whatever it's five freaking bucks right that's what a starbucks is right you know what i mean so if that's just stupid um that's just all right um, let me ask you about Unit 10 specifically, since you are the Unit 10, you and Lee are the Unit 10 masters. What are you seeing as far as trend, as far as the elk quality and age class? I know that, you know, years ago we had the 100 tags in the early rifle hunts and that really took its toll. What are you seeing? Is it getting better? Is it the same? Is it worse? Where are we at? Well, I wish we had all of our teeth data back um, to give ages. Um, I would say I think it's getting better, Jay. Um, obvious, and obviously applications are doubling and tripling there because of us talking about it. Um, I, I do see it getting better um, as far as age class goes. It needs to continue to – the tags do not need to increase. Um which they did this year. Um, and I think it's going to continue to get better, you know, but, you know, as long as we get the precipitation we need in, in the areas, um, whether it be on the wall of Pires, unit nine, seven, 10, 
you know, um, 18A, wherever the bulls winter at, um, as long as I get the precipitation, um, I think it's going to continue to go that way. Um, it's still not 2005. It's still not, you know, 1998, you know, um, there's still a lot of, a lot of big bulls or a lot of bulls being taken. Uh, I shouldn't say a lot of big bulls. I saw where the, the go hunt didn't have the, uh, harvest data for last year, but they had 2019 on the archery elk hunt. It was 55%. Um, but that's, that doesn't antiquate to how many, uh, big bulls, you know, 350 plus bulls were taken on there. So, well, I, I think last I think it's season, a, do you feel better. like there were not a lot of good bulls taken and that there actually were some good bulls out there that will, that made it through? Um, I can speak for us. We had our highest growth scoring average ever, which was like in the, uh, this could be, I could be off by 10 inches cause I don't obsess on it, but it could, I think it was around like 375 inches or 370, maybe been 372 was our growth score, which was our best ever for unit 10. Um, since we've started, uh, EPO in 2013, um, I don't, I think we definitely, you know, guiding most of our hunts on private land have a, you know, a significant advantage as far as that goes. Um, but, uh, but still, uh, if you're in unit 10 and you're private and you had your best grossing year ever, as far as, you know, overall gross number of yes. bulls, that's, that's a good indication of the trend that unit 10 is, is going through. Um, yes, I, I do. I do believe that. I, I think there's a lot of bulls. Enough, again, what happened, what was worse than ever this year. And is since I've been old enough to know the difference, but let's say the last 15 years since I've been really in it, it was the worst breakage on antlers that I've ever seen. What do you directly um, attribute that to? You know, Lee thinks it's, in his opinion, he thinks it's that it's, you know, that, that they didn't calcify because they didn't get that, you know, that finished out feed. Um, I can't necessarily say, you know, whether, I mean, I agree with that to some degree, um, but I also think that, you know, when cows did come in, they were competing for water sources, so there was scrapping, but, you know, there there was just a, like little bulls with whole main beams like three or four points with three or you know broken off complete main beams and then you know same thing goes for big bulls you know a lot of big bulls just completely main beams completely gone sometimes some of them were all the way below their g1 you know they were broke off um it was it was very interesting to see that many broken bulls i mean just just shredded um i think you know, if you um, and i tangled you'd have a broken main beam yeah sure, sure. <laughs> anyway does so it I think, surprise I think... you that it's t gotten to where it's 22 points um for a non-resident in order to draw unit 10 it takes 22 points that's almost mind-boggling isn't it 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 is and i keep in mind that's you know still like the kid that i hunted with cooper he had he had five points. His dad had 22 points and his dad didn't draw, you know, so there's still always that random draw, but yeah, it is mind blowing 
but you know that's because of the 50% rollouts because of the demand I mean 16 points Jay for the late muzzleloader attack right that's mind-blowing I mean, that's I mean in you know I was looking at it's 16 points for early archer tag and seven west seven points for a late rifle it is the the yeah it is it is crazy how many points it takes to draw how long you have to wait and then you know there's still no guarantee in all this you know um as far as well the it, that leads me to my next question so you wait 22 years to draw unit 10 archery bull elk tag and you're talking about you know go ahead and get the permit to hunt the bokeas but in essence you're hunting public ground and then yes. exclusive pursuit outfitters you know you guys have like a hundred thousand acres or something private land in unit 10 so you've waited 22 years to draw the tag explain to me in your mind how some people other than the money factor how do they rationalize saying i waited 22 years how are they not just lined up one after another to come hunt the private ground when they've waited that long and if they are able to break that down over a 22 year period the amount of money that it cost them to hunt private ground and have a 22 year worth experience compared to the public ground and granted i guided yeah. years on public ground in unit 10 and had some great hunts but the beauty in my mind of hunting private ground in unit 10 is the fact that you don't have people all over you and you can kind of pick and choose and and you know hunt quality bulls without having pressure where you know over on the public side if you will or over on the bokeas like you've got people everywhere no i mean it's a huge advantage um it's it's i i think when it comes to any sort of hunt like that it's the market is the market right so you know some people just don't look at it that way and some people just see you know a big bull and they and they just automatically assume that you know, they don't, they think that they're going to get their opportunity. So if there's a um, hundred tags and two big bulls got shot, they think that could be me instead of saying, well, why don't I go on a place where there's private and I'm only hunting with a couple of other hunters as opposed to a hundred other hunters. It just, they get in the mindset that they can do it. And if somebody else did it, they can do it. And then they end up and, shooting and, a and three, I, 320 bull and they're like, why didn't I go? And, you know, and I get that. I get that mindset to some to some degree, but what happens a lot, I think a lot of people aren't honest with themselves with their ability as a hunter. And that's that's just the bottom line. Is a lot of guys aren't. Right. Um, or their then, sacrifice and willingness to put in the work that it takes to kill a couple of those good bulls on the public ground. You know, yeah, whether exactly. it be not you know, sleeping for three days and you know hunting most guys know. that kill the big stuff on public ground let's be honest most of them are locals or guys that are just gritty as hell right um and then you have your occasional guided hunter that you know he's got a good guy um and they're just they're you know you you need luck you need you know fate to happen but that he's got a good guy that they just they burrow in and they they're able to get it done but that hunter still has to be able to shoot, still has to be able to hike glass, 
has to have that hunter instinct when the shoot, especially on public ground. And then you have all the factors of, man, there's so many more people out there now than when, you know, I had the unit 10 tag in 2010, the only one I've ever drawn. You had it, I think last year you had it was 05. Um, and, you know, I hunted 13 days before I killed my bull. Um, had some encounters with some good bulls, but it was tough back then. And there, I bet there was half the pressure that there is now. And I bet when you had the tag, I bet there was half the pressure than when I had the tag. Yeah. You know, um, it is the pressure on the public side has just, has gotten, gotten increasingly more difficult, um, in in my opinion, you know, and, and we even see it on our late hunts. You know, we hunt that late multi-unit hunt, and uh, five years ago, it was a good hunt. Um, and then you started getting outfitters applying 20 people for it, drawing it, running a slew of cameras, um, doing three to five-day hunts, and just, you know, mowing over every bull they saw. And then, you know, plus, you know, locals and social media. And before you know it, all the spots are gone, and boom, you know, like last year, in that 18a there was like 10 big bulls killed on the archery hunt and it was like it mucked that whole area out that whole area out um for a while and you used to never see a camera in that country before any most of these kids weren't even born when i was in that country um that are running cameras and hunting in there and i know there's old timers that would say the same thing about me um but it's the pressure is just if through through media and social media and, and and phones and you know everybody wanting to be a pro staffer and everybody wanting to get the next next sponsorship deal or getting more likes on the pressures just increase this whole thing and it it's somewhat somewhat distorting it for me um what do you think about the potential on. camera ban what are your what are craig Steele's thoughts on I run cameras, so I'm conflicted. Um, I'm conflicted because I'm a free market guy. Um, But on the other hand, I know there's issues. Um, I know that there is, I hate to see 10, 15 cameras on public ground. It makes my gut churn Um, just because I I know what it turns into. I know the ugly side. Um, With that being said, what's my vote on it i could give two shits uh as far as that goes because i know for me like i was around pre cameras so if they go away then i'm okay if they stay then i'm okay because it's still going to come down to who works hard um with that being said um i don't uh um I don't uh, really care one way or the other because I'm just going to adapt and overcome. And I'm, it's interesting Those to winners see winners win, don't they? They do. That's How the about truth. your boy Tom Brady, by the way? <laughs> winners Dude, win, like, don't they? Sometimes I hate talking about Tom Brady on here because because uh, <laughs> it gets people emotional. People like to give me crap about it. Yeah, but so, it it just goes to show. I mean. I haven't even watched a single football game this year because of, you know, other reasons. But here Tom Brady goes to a completely different team and he's in the big show again. 
Like, yeah, he, he winners win, for- and he's on a totally different team. And what you're saying is whether there's cameras or not, it doesn't really matter to you one way or another. You're going to adapt, and you're going to do what you do. And you were there before yeah. cameras, and you were there during cameras, and you could I'm do not both. Gonna- I'm not going to go cry and I'm not going to go stampede. And, you know, they're, you know, I guess to me, the, here's my biggest thing is if there, if it does come down, here's what I would like to see. I'll go on the record. Is it, if, Wait, if, should I drum they, roll? If they propose, if, or they have proposed, but if it goes through, I think it should be a season. So I think from August 1st to January 31st, don't use cameras for hunting. Outside of that time, let let the industry survive. Let the cameras be. Let people get pictures. Let people have the activity. Uh, let people get inventory, so to speak. Um, and yeah, you're going to have the issue with the auction and the raffle hunters, whatever that that may cause. The you know, but don't kill the industry. That's my free market, uh, and and my and my you know uh, my my that's what i want to see if they if they put a if they say well we're going to ban them don't ban them completely um i think banning them completely is is not the right move um if they're going to do it put a season on it let guys get you know camera pictures let the industry survive um we're going to go through enough economic issues over the next you know 5 to 10 years um as it is, um, I, I just, I just, that's just my, my personal opinion. If okay. they do it, do a season. Okay. Um, real fast, and then I want to jump into antelope. Uh, so we, we talked about the Unit 10 archery. You still like the Unit 10 early rifle. Phenomenal hunt, right? It's a good hunt. It is a good hunt. The last two years have been really good because, uh, because for whatever reason some of the biggest bulls haven't always been broken because they their rut's been so weird in which i say that kind of conflicts because i was just telling everybody how all the bulls were broken but it seemed like seemed seemed like maybe they they had a spike in and the mature bulls stay out of the fray until it gets really ruddy and then they come charging in and what you're saying yeah they kind of let everybody else fight and then all of a sudden they show up and they breed all the cows that's what i see as well a lot of times on the ot six is you know all of a sudden the bulls just big bulls just show up and they do their thing Um, um okay so archery early rifle Talk to me about the late archery in 10 and the muzzleloader in 10. Your thoughts. I don't even want to touch the late archery. Like, have at it. That's a resonant, gritty son of a gun that can do it five times or a non-resident DIYs hunt. Um, Tough, though, right? Yeah, super tough. I mean, it is what it is. You better have a spotter um, or hunt somewhere where you can sit water um, and be gritty as heck and plan on doing it four times to kill a big bull. Um, and then the, maybe you have to do it more than that. The muzzleloader hunts uh, can be good. Man, I can't believe it's taken 16 points. I mean, that's the same as an early archery tag in Unit 7 West. So, man, do you want to hunt the rut in 7 West on a good year or hunt late muzzle? You know, if, if you're that type of guy, if you're a guy that can get around and hunt with a bow. So... 
you know, we're starting to get in areas where it's it's really people just need to be honest with their skill sets, um, their resources, their their uh, their time limit, and their uh, you know their what what how much they value the hunt, you know, do, and and make sure if they do go with an outfitter that they pick a good one that's going to take care of them. Um, because 16 points, you can get the you can get the muzzy tag, late muzzy tag and 10, or you can get the archery tag and seven west. You know, or you know, probably I didn't look at like a unit eight or you know a four B, but you know, I think those are some sleeper units that um, on a good year you can slide in there because not everybody's going to be able to wait because unit 10 archery elk is going to be, you know, 25 points before we know it Yeah, to draw it, you know. All right, let's so, switch over to antelope since you are the antelope guru, the Jedi master. What are you thinking on antelope? What's your thoughts with this drought and, you know, bucks? And are we, well, are we trending saw, up? Are we trending down? Where are we at? Uh, overall population, I believe we're trending down. Uh, that's just... I, I don't know if that's factual or not, but just from what I see, a uh, number of fawns that I saw this last year, um, I did see some good bucks um, after after the season um, was done. I saw four or five bucks that I thought could be in the uh, mid to high 80s um, that, you know, it was awesome. I didn't see volume, you know, anywhere I went, whether it be, 10, 9, 18A, uh, 19B, 5B, scouted a lot um, for the auction tag, and we elected not to shoot anything, so we'll be hunting that. Um, but I didn't see volume, but I did see some good bucks out there. You know, there's always that misnomer, or I shouldn't say misnomer, there's always that uh, people always talk about how antelope do better in drought conditions, but, you know, the drought was during the summer, that's not their growing season. The growing season started in essentially December. So if we don't stay droughty, whether or not that's true or not, like that could have little to no impact. I don't see antelope being impacted, especially in Arizona, as much on on low elk antler growth or low precipitation years from January to March as what you know what has led to believe they're just their bodies are a lot smaller you know um they're more like sheep it, it de definitely can impact them um but they rebound quickly um i i don't i i i would uh say it's going to be a good year there's going to be some big bucks killed last year there was some really big bucks killed um all, all throughout the state most of them by i probably i screenshotted like four or five bucks that i thought were in the mid to high 80s that were killed by guys that applied for areas that they knew really well and they went in and pounded it and found the best buck and killed tanks, you know, so. What are um, the top five units in your mind for geez. antelope? For, for me, for me personally, as a guide and as a hunter, my top areas that I would want to guide and take hunters in um, that I think I can do pretty damn well is uh, 19B, 18A, um 10 9 and then probably 5b or 4b 
Okay. Um, I'm taking all that in. What me, about Unit know, 8? Unit 8, I know, I know some guys struggled. It seemed like they struggled there, and they increased the tags. Um, could be a could be a year that they struggled last year and this next year, you know, their antelope are obviously different than, than elk and deer and sheep. It doesn't take them six, seven to eight years to get big, you know, three to five. Um, they're about as big as they'll, they're, well, they're as big as they'll ever get. Um, so next year could be a good year. I used to like it. I, I gotta look the tag numbers, but I don't think they changed them. I thought they increased them last year. Um, I think there's a little too many tags in there. Um, Here's in a personal opinion. question. Are you as passionate about antelope as you've ever been, or has your passion for antelope waned at all? Uh, has not. I like big antelope. You like That's, big bucks and you cannot lie? I just... So they, if they're you know, big, they, they intrigue you. If they're just dinky it, bucks, you could care less. Yeah, and that sounds kind of shallow, but it is what it is. You I'm, know, I, I'm kind of the same I, way with several animals. <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is, and and a lot of people don't really know. Like big, massive antelope are are just dinosaurs on the ground. They're just they're it's just it's just another level of 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 a buck, and they're just cooler than cooler than hell. So are they as cool as a turkey? Oh my gosh! <laughs> a big old fanned out Gould's turkey. Are they as cool as that? Um, <laughs> my mom told me never to say anything <laughs> that wasn't nice. So. <laughs> All right, last question of the day: How the heck is Rock Steady going? Because I'm seeing it getting tested. I'm seeing, you know, I know you personally very well, and I know your yeah. your attitude towards perfection. And I know you've been working on this thing for a long time, and you've got a million prototypes. Yeah. And just what's going on? Um. So we are. What is it? It's January. Um. This this fall, I I basically. Uh, this last fall? Yeah, this last fall. So I want to say September. Um, I brought on a partner. Um, his name's Josh Riesland. He's the lead designer, engineer, and uh, on on the bipod and on the products that we're doing. Um, specifically, obviously, we're doing the bipod right now. That's our initial product. Um, it's evolved into not just we're not just doing a bipod. Um, we're I had to kind of slow myself down because there's other things that uh, we want to do besides the bipod. So it, it's been a process to slow me down and not just show everything on social media that we're doing. Um, but uh, the bipod is, for lack of better terms, badass. It's we've got the bipod basically completely done except for um we've been working through some issues with carbon fiber tubing um as far as uh from manufacturing we had to do some some somewhat proprietary stuff to make sure that our bipod is 100 percent made in the united states 
and then um, working on some different uh, leg latch designs. Um, but the bipod is, per, it's, it's basically done the heart of what we call the heart of the bipod. Um, we've got it, we've got a beta tester program now. Um, so how's that going? Basically, basically what a, the beta tester program is, is it was m my way to get some other people involved, um, in the product design. And so we've got 10 beta testers for this bipod that we, you know, guys went to our email list, they signed up. And then we kicked out an email and said, who's interested in beta testing? And then we looked over their, their social media profiles, their, you know, um, their, you know, kind of prerequisites and what they, what hunts they had and whatnot, and, um, kind of what kind of hunter they were, um, and, uh, kicked them out some bipods, um, some prototype bipods with different designs, um, that we were trying to finish up, like just little tweaks. They're all pretty much 90% the same. And so right now they have them. We have, you know, a couple of guys in Mexico with them hunting uh, cows, deer. Um, and then I said that right, right, Jay? If you want cows, to be deer. an idiot, yeah. Okay, coos deer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we, we're, we're using them on predator, uh, predator hunts. Uh, I just got done filming uh, and hunting with a guy named Kyle Kuchel, who's, who's uh, a, a big beta tester for it. He's been stacking up the coyotes with it. Um, obviously, I used it. I used some prototypes, um, two different prototypes this fall. Um, we killed several animals. You can see on the Rocksteady on Rocksteady uh, Instagram um, with it. Um, the goal's been to with the bipod. Uh oh, Poppy's man. Poppy, uh, she heard beta testing and went crazy. Yeah. So the goal's been uh, the goal is and and the challenge is to produce a bipod that will allow you to get um, high enough to shoot off side slopes or incline positions across canyons um, like you do a lot, 90% of it, like you do predator hunting, but not sacrifice the long range uh, accuracy um, and enable you to get in a prone position that's comfortable um, all in one bipod and you know there's some other things with that being detachable um light um and then there's some other things that will come out with when we release the product um but we're getting there we're just going to wait another month for these beta testers to kind of finish up with their beta testing um i'm actually playing with the bipod prototype that i have right now and I'll, i'm due to get another prototype um with some updated uh leg latches mm -hmm. um because i didn't like these leg latches and uh you know that it's it's been a little bit of a challenge because of covid um with the carbon fiber stuff um and, and getting you know well once you release the product i'd like you to come on here and talk to us from a business standpoint some of the oh, hurdles will. that you know you've faced over the last well, year and a half doing this. The reality is, and I've had this question a lot. Um, I've had this question 
a lot. Like and I, I just had somebody on, on TikTok ask, you know, their gunshot gun shop in Texas and, you know, wanting to do it. The reality is this is a niche market and that we're going direct to consumer. There's no other way for us to do it. Um, and maybe there will be in the future, um, but we're going to go direct to consumer, just like Kuyu. Um, it's, you know, even more so for us being being a niche market, you know, uh, you, you have to in this day and age. You have to control, uh, you know, your customer cycle um, and your product. And there there's no reason to, you know, basically hire somebody to sell this product. There's just not a big enough market. Um, you want to have full control of to get talking to your we customers, want, right? We, yeah, we want to have full control. Um, and so, you know, there's some other things we want to do. But when we launch, um, I'm not giving any launch dates or anything like that. But we do have, we are, we are essentially, we're machining these in-house. We're building everything but the raw material, the aluminum, the, the steel parts uh, in-house. Obviously, we're not mining those. Um, but we're machining those, um, and then the carbon fiber is American-made. Um, so it's 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 a hundred percent American-made product, um, built to last. Um, there'll be different sizes of bipods, which nobody else has done, and uh, drives me nuts because everybody pretends that a five-foot-three person is the same as a six-five person, and that's just that's just not reality, you know. And so we just want to make it better, man. Um, awesome. I, Awesome. You know. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Craig, it's always great having you on the podcast. I know the, the listeners really enjoy it. I want to give you a chance to let the listeners know how they can reach out to you um, to talk some more Arizona elk and antelope, uh, to talk some rock steady, even predator exclusives. Uh, what's the best way? So the best way is my Instagram handle is Craig Steel AZ. And then on there, my my emails on there, um, and my phone numbers on there, so you can get to me that way. If you don't have Instagram, you can email me at craigsteelaz uh, at gmail.com. Um, and then you know from there, you can ask me any questions about anything. Um, I do have obviously other email address, but that's the kind of the most central hub, just because I'm spread out in different directions. Um, so that's the easiest way. Awesome, buddy. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, tell Lee hello, and um, we'll be chatting at you down the road here. All right, man. All right, Thank God you, bless. Jay. Bye.